Welcome to the job interview experience. I'm a former executive recruiter, search firm owner, director of talent acquisition, and today, the founder of Candidate Club Interview Prep and your host of the job interview experience. Andres Lairs is the managing partner at Shapiro Negotiations Institute and co-author of Persuade, or a four-step process to influence people and decisions. Andres has led the development of SNI's award-winning interactive negotiation training, mobile applications, and virtual reality-based applications, and in doing so, has multiple patents pending. Andres also lectures at John Hopkins University on sports negotiations, and he has been featured on Fox Business, Market Watch, Business Insider, CNBC, and most importantly, the job interview experience. One of the topics our listeners worry about most is salary negotiation. It might be on your mind right now if, well, while you're listening to the show. So I thought I would bring Andres on so we could learn from an expert and really dig into this. Andres, welcome to the job interview experience, and thank you for being here. Thank you for having me and excited to, to help folks listening in. Before we jump into business and, and talk about persuasion and negotiation, can you tell us outside of all of that, outside of work, what are you passionate about in life? You know, it's, it's a great question. I think uh, all sorts of different stuff. So certainly travel. Um, my wife and I are avid travelers, and now we've got two young kids. So what am I passionate about? I think certainly both from a passion and time consumption standpoint, my two young boys are a big part of that. Travel. Uh, I'm a, as a funky little fact, actually, I'm a, I'm a pilot, so I like to fly small planes. Um, but other than that, you know, and, and love playing sports and being active, but a little bit of everything, I would say, but definitely the kids and travel will be up there in the top of the list. Sounds like a lot of fun. Do you get the family up in the plane? So we do. So my kids love it. My wife hates it. So she's, uh, she, I wouldn't say she's afraid of travel, but she doesn't enjoy it. And the smaller the plane, the less she enjoys it. So uh, that's, that is probably one of the restrictions. Otherwise I think we do a little bit more travel kind of as a family, but so for me, it's, it's more like a kind of a side hobby enjoying the kids up a little bit, but, uh, I don't know that we'll be traveling anytime soon too far in, in uh, kind of a four seater. I hear you. Well, speaking of traveling or, or more so journeys, can you tell us about your journey to get where you are today? And then please, beyond my introduction, give us a snapshot of what you do today. Yeah, so it's, I kind of fell into this, uh, to be honest. So I, uh, I, I'm originally from Venezuela, hence the name. I moved to Canada when I was young and kind of grew up mainly in, in kind of the Toronto area. I ended up coming to, to grad school uh, for my MBA and for a master's sports administration at uh, down here in the States. And so I, I actually I wanted to work in sports. It's an area that I really wanted to work in. I was passionate about. And I so happened to kind of come to the Shapiro Negotiation Institute for what was supposed to be a couple of weeks project, uh, helping negotiate uh, some player contracts at the time. And that's uh, you know how it started. So the, the company was founded by a gentleman named Ron Shapiro, who, who kind of became my mentor. He was one of the he's basically biggest uh, agent in baseball history, I believe. I don't know if he still claims the title, but he did for many years of having represented the most Hall of Fame baseball players of any agent. And, and he advised teams. I mean, he was all over the place in sports. And so I kind of started here. And uh, you know, talking a little bit about me, I told my wife at the t- so we were not married at the time. 12 years ago, honey, don't bother coming from Toronto. 
I'll only be here for a few weeks. And uh, you know, 12 years later, uh, I am, I'm now kind of the managing partner here and my wife and I are here. We got two kids here. So I, I was wrong, uh, horribly wrong, certainly 12 years ago, how long this would last. And, uh, but yeah, so the, the only kind of adjustment there, I mean, my role has changed, but it kind of day to day sports is a lot of, we get a lot of attention in the sports world because that's kind of the, you know, it's, it's in the front page, some of the big deals that, that we'll sign or kind of associate with, uh, with in the NBA, NFL, MLB, NHL, that kind of thing. But most of the work that we do is actually outside of sports. So it's with fortune 5,000s. We advise companies on how to negotiate essentially. So it could be procurement agents. It could be recruiters, actually, in your past world. I know you've got experience there. We've helped a lot of recruiters for, again, this is kind of where the salary negotiations certainly kick in. Um, and really just salespeople, lawyers, all professional services, even nurses, which kind of, you know, you don't think about it, but they influence and they negotiate with, certainly with patients. And that's a big part of patient satisfaction. So it's all over the place. But Really fell into it and and have loved it and and um, you know now I love the out of sports as much as the in sports. For our listeners, let's define in the business world what we mean when we say negotiation, what we mean when we say persuasion, and then in your opinion, where the two cross over. You know, so oftentimes we kind of separate those two as almost the art and the science. Negotiating, you both want something. And you're essentially coming together to reach an agreement or not be able to reach an agreement if you walk away. And influencing, you're trying to compel someone to do something. So in a sense, it's a little bit more one-sided. And so in the book Persuade that you mentioned that we, we wrote uh, last year in July, really, as we kind of dug in a little bit more, we, we used influencing and persuasion fairly synonymously. Now, at the beginning, we kind of you know, gave a caveat that it wasn't a perfect synonym, but it was close. But I think the biggest difference is in negotiation. You know, the two people are coming together or groups are coming together for something and influence. You've got to be and persuading. You've got to be a little bit more careful to make sure that kind of ethically it is sound because you're trying to compel someone to do something. And if it's against their will, it can be a little bit more questionable. And if it's, you know, if it's neutral or positive, then, you know, in that sense, it's uh, it's a little bit more ethically correct. But that's kind of the the difference, and and we see one a little bit more scientific, and a little bit one a little bit more kind of more the art and uh, the piece that comes with experience and training. In persuade, persuade the four step process to influence people and decisions. Is that a book to teach anybody about? In you know influence, persuasion, negotiation, or is that more for more advanced users that you have already? Uh, maybe taking your courses and things like that. No, it is. It is definitely the former. It's about anybody. So really, you know, the four step process, and we can talk more about it, about credibility, emotion, logic, and action. And the idea is the reason it's for everyone is not only is it written in a way that hopefully is easy to read. It's kind of the feedback we get that anyone can pick it up and, and take advantage of it. But the second piece is it, you can potentially start from zero because one of the things about negotiating and influencing is you need to have a process. So one of the reasons, I mean, you talked earlier about sometimes salary negotiation, bring, it brings anxiety to your listeners and to everyone. And I'd say the same really for any negotiation. And part of the reason is we, we are un, unsure of what the outcome will be, right? It's uncertain. It's, it's to be determined based on how the negotiation goes. But it, it goes back to one of the things that, you know, negotiation and influencing. So preparation is the only aspect of that which we can control. And so if we're prepared, we're more confident which both allows us to kind of feel less anxiety, but also allows us to improve 
than likelihood we achieve the results that we want. And so that's one of the reasons that force that process lets us kind of structure it, prepare more, and control the things we can control. And so that can be effective, certainly for someone who's never taken a course, never thought about it, never been trained, all the way to kind of the most senior person who has taken many courses and is just kind of looking to fine tune. We'll link to that uh, Persuade book in the episode's description. I'm, I'm going to add it to my wish list as well. I have read Never Split the Difference a couple times, yeah. actually, which has been really interested to, interesting to see, read the stories, obviously, but then also the impact it can make on your business life. For our listeners, what, what's interesting about topics like this to me and why I encourage you to dig into stuff like this beyond the podcast and actually try and learn about it is it sticks with you for life. So you're not just doing this for, you know, a, a three-minute negotiation you might have for your next job. In your next job, this might serve you for interactions with clients, talking about approaching things like a, a raise the right way outside of work, whether you're buying a used car or trying to get your neighbor, right, to get, a, you know, maybe to stop doing something or to help you do something. These are life skills, and not everything on the interview process is a life skill that carries with you forever. Some of the things I talked about on the podcast will probably only serve you for this part of your career. But things like persuasion, negotiation, for one, for me, I just think it's fun. But for everybody, these are tools that will actually help get you farther and get you what you want and throughout your life. So I'd encourage people to dig into that. Andres, if someone without your experience told you they're about to enter a salary negotiation for a new job, or maybe perhaps asking for a raise with their current employer, what rookie mistakes would you anticipate they make? And uh, one quick thing, too, before I jump into that, that I think what you said, I could not kind of agree with more in the sense that these are life skills that will impact you in everything that you do. And so, you know, and actually it makes it more powerful. If you're thinking about it in the frame of the salary negotiation now, it becomes very relevant. You kind of really implement it. And then every other stage of your life, you can use it. So, you know, I could not agree with you more. So as far as what mistakes, I mean, there's a couple. I think the first is not being prepared enough from a negotiation standpoint, right? If I kind of stopped you right before you're about to go in the meeting and I said, why are you asking for a raise? Why should you get one? You know, almost the same way that a salesperson should have a 30-second elevator pitch so they can kind of just rhyme off immediately with conviction and hopefully tailor it to their audience, you should be able to do that, right? And if you think about it, you know, that conversation has a pretty significant impact on your life. Whether you get more money, the relationship you have with your either future employer or current employer, that has an impact. So there really is no reason not to prepare. Now, preparation isn't this daunting thing of weeks beforehand, but it means at least thinking through, okay, what are the reasons? And so we suggest scripting it out even. A couple of the key points, how you're going to open a meeting, a couple of the key points, and how you're going to close the meeting. And so, you know, that's number one. Not doing that, you know, you're, you're really kind of putting yourself at a, at a disadvantage. Um, and then I think the other one would be, so there's a natural anxiety we've talked about, you know, that, that can occur and that likely occurs. And so it's really keeping a positive, you know, no matter what happens, keeping kind of a positive attitude. And what I mean by that is, you know, for me, my salary is the most important thing to me, right? So it's a priority, it's, it's critical. And so if the other person says no, or if the other person delays, or they need more time, or if it's not done in one meeting, 
I may kind of get, you know, quickly negative or disappointed. And so what you want to do is you want to keep that positive momentum all the way through. And so, for example, if we combine the two scripting, well, oftentimes we hear about situations where you go up, you ask for a raise, you don't get it, and then it just ends there. Well, if you had scripted, you probably would have thought, but okay, if I don't get it, what am I going to do? I'm going to make sure that another meeting set to discuss it. So I'm sorry to hear that we can't, you know, put a raise in place right now. You mentioned you need a few more weeks in order to kind of reconvene about this. Let's put something on the calendar now for the end of March, or let's put, you know, and kind of already you start to do that. That's a small example of the advantages you have of both scripting and keeping a positive attitude. Because if you don't do those things, you might quickly kind of walk out of a meeting, be really frustrated, say something you regret. And again, the impact isn't just about whether or not you get your raise, but it's also kind of the relationship you have with your current or future employer. Speaking of that positive attitude, is there any phrasing that you recommend? We'll just, we'll, we'll, let's say in the situation of working through salary negotiation with a new employer, is there any phrasing you recommend people use to help keep things, I'd guess, I guess you could say positive or light or friendly to help kind of remind them that you, you want the best outcome for both parties and this is not a, you know, this is not a hostage <laughs> <laughs> negotiation. Any, any, anything you recommend there? So, um, yes, but actually, if you don't mind, I'm going to almost like split into two things that are tangential rather than exactly to that. And I think right. they'll kind of serve the, the same purpose. So the first is there's a lot of research to indicate. We put this in the book that we found a lot of research on and we did our own for kind of the, the mood that you're in going into a situation significantly impacts that situation and kind of how you respond. And so little things like literally, let's say, you know, before this podcast, for example, if I was very anxious about it and felt uncomfortable. If I did two things, if I kind of just smiled coming in, thought of positive thoughts, and potentially put maybe a song that I enjoy listening to right before, a couple of minutes before, or had my favorite drink or whatever, something that makes me comfortable, that will literally get you in a more positive mindset for the kind of negotiation. So that's even less so but specifically what you say, because sometimes it can be hard to kind of give exact phrases. I mean, we can talk about what to avoid and kind of give some high-level concepts, but that can get you in a mood that makes it more likely for you to do that. That's one. And, and I think that's kind of underappreciated because the second piece is in the meeting, the same occurs. Like if I'm smiling, it's going to make me kind of in a more positive mood, but it actually has underappreciated impact on the other party. If I'm smiling and I'm being kind of sensitive and empathetic to you, even if I'm pushing hard, it's hard for you not to do that. And so the second thing is, and kind of generally to answer that question is, I always recommend people have kind of a spectrum in their mind of how aggressive they want to be about the negotiation. Now, aggressive isn't perfectly correlated with being, you know, kind of mean or being, you know, so it's, it's bluntness, it's directness, but it isn't necessarily negative versus positive. So an example of that, let's say you've got three job offers on the table. And so if you don't get at least X dollars with this job, you're going to get something else. So it really is a matter if you don't get it, you're not going to do it. You can still say it in a really nice way. A 10 out of 10 could be, look, I'm really interested in this job. These are the reasons I'm most interested in this job because of these roles, this title. I get to work with these people, these responsibilities. Because of the other options I have available, realistically, you know, I, I hate to say this and it's difficult for me to say, but I want to be realistic. This is the, kind of the minimum it would take to work here. Please don't take this the wrong way. Again, you've noticed I've kind of softened it up. But I'm very clear that if you if we can't get to this number, I'm not going to be able to take this job. Well, if you had no other job offers as the only offer you have, and you just hope that you get at least that salary, you would be you would say a similar message, but much softer. You know, um, 
you know, what uh, you could say potentially you could point to an objective standard. You know, in research for this role, when I went online, I found that the average, you know, uh, the average salary for this role is X. Is that in line with what your expectations are? For example, would be you're getting to that same X number that you said in the first, but now it's an objective standard rather than kind of an emotional piece. And you're not even asking for it. You're kind of anchoring around that number to see how they respond. So as you can see, the way I describe it is a spectrum. And one, you make it very clear in a really nice way. You almost apologetically, or if you don't, you know, if you want to have more conviction, not apologetically, but kind of still empathetic, you can say it, or all the way to you point to a standard and you anchor without even kind of making the ask. And so that's kind of the two tips I would give folks if if they're going to go through that. Could you give us maybe one or two foundational negotiation principles that our listeners can take away from our conversation? So, yeah, so one is is kind of pulling from influence, but definitely key in the negotiation place is, you know, is that kind of a think about it in this phrase that people make decisions emotionally and then they justify them rationally. So and that really can't be overstated. Usually when we're trying to persuade others, when we're negotiating, we're trying to convince them with logic. Right? And so if you think of, you know, I'll go for a second to the salesperson because the easiest thing to visualize, you're selling a product, you kind of point to the spec sheet. Oh, we have 77 features here and we do this, we do that. And, you know, you kind of listing the features and you're getting to all the logical reasons why someone would choose your product or your service. Just like when you're in a salary negotiation, you're pointing to all the logical reasons why they would hire me in the, in the company because that's what you're doing. You're selling yourself. I know that you talk a lot about that in your podcast and certainly we see that very consistently. You're selling yourself. And so what happens is we lose the piece where, yes, the fact that I've got 17 years experience here or the fact that I can do these things X, Y, and Z very well are one of the reasons that you're going to be able to justify the hire. But the reality is we hire based on emotion, just like we buy based on emotion. Do I feel comfortable that Andres can do the job, right? Do, will, will this hire make me look good? If you're a recruiter, will this hire make me look good? Will I get more business from this company? Be, you know, so that you're kind of thinking in those terms. I hate to kind of sell, sound so self-serving, but that's the way we operate. Do I feel comfortable with this person? And so even kind of similarities that you build, for example, you know, unbelievably, there's, there's studies that will say that the similarities you have with someone will be more important than sometimes kind of their job experience and their capacity. Mm-hmm. And again, that's not surprising. And so. I think that's one really, really critical one. And then the second one, when it comes to salary negotiation, is much is lost for the one of asking. And so it's kind of to remind ourselves that, of course, you do need to be able to back it up. So when you're thinking of a salary negotiation, you can't just kind of aim for the stars and ask for a 50% increase. But much is lost for the one of asking that if you ask for something, you don't always get what you ask for. But if you don't ask for it, you're guaranteed not to get it, right? So be willing to ask. And so if you've done your research, if you've scripted, if you have an objective standard to point to, you know, then, then I, I would kind of compel those to, that are thinking about to do it as long as kind of it, it's reasonable and realistic. And so um, those would be kind of two things to think about. This isn't something that our listeners are going to really master in, just through our conversation. They need to dig into this themselves. If they want to connect with you and learn more about they like what you're saying and they want to learn more about it, hear more of it. How do they connect with you? Where do they go to dig into this process? 
Uh, sure. And, you know, they may not necessarily like what I'm saying. It's not sexy to prepare and spend more time. But, you know, I do promise that certainly the things that you've talked about in your podcast and we've talked about today will help. You know, it's based on research and evidence. And so it's not always the what you want to do, what you want to hear. We kind of want to hear a, a tactic that with effortlessly we can get results, but that's not necessarily always the case. But, you know, to find us, we're kind of in all the usual channels, but I'd say realistically the best place to start is our website. So www.shiphiernegotiations.com and then our book Persuade uh, that, that Wiley published in uh, in July of last year. So, you know, two best places to start, but we're, we're kind of all over the place. Great. I'll link to those in this episode's description. I will warn you, our listeners to this show are different. These are the job seekers who don't just apply and show up. Uh, they're just by listening to a podcast, whether it be mine or another job interview prep podcast, they're investing their time right in themselves. Yeah. If you're listening to Andres and I right now, you are you're going above and beyond what most job seekers do. And a lot of people that I talk to that listen to the show, they say, you know, maybe I interviewed a, a six months ago and I didn't do anything. I showed up, you know, I skimmed the about page and I showed up and it didn't work. And now they're, they're doing things like this. So why I say that is, uh, you know, there will be people who listen to this that say, yes, I want to dig more into negotiation, whether it be just for this next job, whether to help persuade or negotiate to get what I want or for life. So uh, I do think we're a special type that dig into topics like this more. And I always, I try and encourage our listeners because just the fact that they're tuning in shows that they're willing to go the extra mile. And there's a quote, I don't want to, I don't want to say it wrong, but the, you know, there's very little traffic on the extra mile and that's the people that get offers and uh, persevere and get what they want. So For sure. speaking of encouraging listeners, before we close, what, what would you like to share? What are your kind of closing thoughts for our listeners as they're processing what you've shared with them today? So, I mean, I think there's two come to mind, actually. So the first is kind of piggybacking what you just said. I think if you're listening to the podcast and you're thinking about kind of the, that upcoming negotiation or that you want to start already, you're kind of a step ahead in the sense that you're not just kind of winging it. And so the, I would say even without knowing every specific situation for people you know, listening in, already. I get the sense that they'll, they'll, you know, they'll outperform others because just the thinking through in advance, right? It's not about kind of the cheat sheet of what things to say. It's just the thought process and having a process in the first place. So that's the first that kind of for me is is opportunistic, and I think you know kind of makes me think that good things will happen. And the second is you know just kind of a little side note that if you're thinking about it, this is probably the best time you know that you could possibly be negotiating your salary. And for two factors, number one, this is definitely an employee's market. So, you know, if we're being opportunistic, taking advantage of that as a business owner, I hate to say it, but it's true. And, you know, it's, it's a reality. And so that's one. And the second is there's inflation. And so we, you know, I mentioned briefly kind of objective standard to point to, well, there's no better objective standard than to go to your current employer and say, look, what I made this year is less than what I made last year because inflation is currently X. I mean, that's literally what's happening, right? I mean, there's other factors with gas right now. We're in the middle of a war, but you know, pricing is up across the board. That's been documented everywhere, even before kind of you know what's going on in Ukraine and Russia. And so, if that's the case, if you're making the exact same amount, it's going less far than it was. Mm -hmm. And so, being able to point to that objective standard should both give you a better reason to ask for it and make you more confident in that request. And so, for anyone who's kind of doing it for the first time or hasn't done it in a long time, 
I would urge you that this is kind of as good of a time as any to make that ask. And so hopefully that'll kind of motivate folks to give it a go. And again, don't be ridiculous with the ask, but but certainly this is as good of a time as any. Andres, the time you've given to our audience and the advice you've shared is going to increase earnings for people all over the world. Uh, that's why I love doing this. So thank you. Thank you for making a difference. And thank you for joining us. Hope you'll join us again soon. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. It was a pleasure.